What if everything you thought you knew about the criminal justice system and high-profile criminal cases wasn't true? Join a veteran Buffalo City detective, a veteran Canadian Pacific police captain, and a veteran NCIS special agent, along with their guests, as they dissect the criminal justice system and high-profile criminal cases from their perspective in an unvarnished podcast focusing on crime, corruption, and media bias. It's Search Warrant, coming right at you. Welcome to this episode of Search Warrant. To refresh your memory, Search Warrant consists of a veteran Buffalo detective, a veteran Canadian Pacific police captain, and a veteran NCIS special agent, along with guests. So um, today, we are coming to you from the beautiful Finger Lakes region of Western New York. And our focus today is the hijacking of the criminal justice system. While the local and regional media, for the most part, do a very good job reporting significant problems in the criminal justice system, once it gets to the mainstream media level, where we, where we rely on investigative reporters to be our watchdogs, it appears to fail. Although investigative journalism is, uh, seems particularly rare nowadays, we do in fact have an investigative journalist, an investigative reporter with us, um, Ralph Cipriano, who is a uh, previously a reporter for the uh, LA Times and the Philadelphia Inquirer, now uh, does um, work for, the, uh, for Newsweek and for uh, Philly Magazine. And is also the uh, um, writer for uh, the Big Draw blog. So, um, Ralph, uh, welcome to Search Warrant. Thank you, thank you, John. Very happy to be here. Ralph, I have with me uh, Detective Anna Midlars and uh, Police Captain uh, Tom Purcell. And we have uh, collectively had an opportunity to read all of your articles about Mr. Krasner. And he seems to be uh, quite the human being. And uh, we'd like to uh, have a little kind of, if you could give us a uh, summary of what, what the hell is going on with that guy and uh, what's his story? Well, it's like uh, turning law enforcement on its head. Uh, Larry Krasner was a defense lawyer in this town for decades, not a particularly distinguished one, I might add and not one highly thought of by his colleagues. But um, he, he basically had made a career out of suing the police department and representing far left uh, crazy uh, groups like um, Antifa and every other kooky organization you can think of. Larry was always defending them against the police. And uh, I guess a sort of, sort of bizarre joke with uh, $1.7 million of George Soros's uh, cash uh, Larry uh, won a crowded field in uh, the Democratic primary to become uh, the Democratic nominee uh, for DA, and then he got elected because in Philadelphia, you know, democracy was outlawed literally 60 years ago. It's a one-party town, and whoever wins the Democratic Party is assured of, of being elected. Matter of fact, our candidate for mayor, who just got reelected, he didn't even bother the campaign or debate his opponent, or even talk to reporters after he won his victory. So it's, it, uh, 
Putin is more open than what goes on in Philadelphia. Um, Ralph, that seems to be a uh, a trend because uh, there's a, quite a few uh, district attorney candidates who are being uh, backed by George Soros. For those that do not know who George Soros is, can you just give us an idea of who it is? I can't. I mean, I, I would just say, you know, he's a, a billionaire uh, who's dedicated to, uh, you know, overthrowing governments all around the country. Didn't he run the, um, he ran a, a, a monetary scam on the British government, didn't he? I, we're going to have yeah. to check this part of the story, but yeah, I do, that's what he's I known do, for, isn't he? I do believe that is uh, correct. But he certainly seems to be, uh, he just did that in... Uh, in Rochester, he's back. He was backing uh, several candidates in Rochester. Yeah, I'm not sure which, if they won or not. Anybody who's socialistic. Yeah. Yeah, a complete, yeah, complete ideologue socialist uh, guy. Um, and he, he actually, he actually blew up a, 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 an English government, didn't he? I mean, didn't he uh, take down the government at one point with the uh, currency manipulation or whatever he was doing? And yeah, well. Somebody will have to go on Wikipedia and get the truth. But uh. right, right. <laughs> hey, um, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but yeah. uh, I did yeah. want to ask. Now, Larry Krasner, he's a trained hostage negotiator, right? Isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, he just seems to be adding uh, numerous new uh talents to his job description. No, he's not. Uh, and a matter of fact, he interjected himself into a situation we had recently where six police officers were shot, um, you know, miraculously. Nobody was seriously injured. But uh, Larry showed up on the site and started uh, while well, he was mugging for the TV cameras. And then all of a sudden he's on the phone negotiating a, a uh, an easy deal, you know, with the uh, with the uh, shooter inside. And there's some question as to whether or not the city stuck with that deal, because uh, Larry, he was just about to put it in writing when the hostage, uh, when the um, shooter gave up and, and walked out. Yeah, because uh, when I was in uh, a federal hostage negotiation uh, training, I don't remember seeing his picture or name. So <laughs> I just... I just wanted to see if he was trained to do that. So, okay. but he might be more qualified as a hostage negotiation negotiator than he is a district attorney. Oh yes. So, um, also, so he's a. Uh, if I understand it correctly, he's also uh, um, an advanced uh, interviewer and interrogator. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, there's been some stories about that. I mean, I, I am working on some stories about that. But I mean, this guy is a far left ideologue. And, uh, you know, his specialty is emptying the jails. And before he became district attorney, he talked the previous district attorney, uh, who uh, Rufus Seth Williams, who uh, is currently today sitting in a federal prison wearing an orange jumpsuit and doing five years for corruption. But uh, when Seth was our DA and Larry was just a uh, defense lawyer, he talked Seth into letting uh, 1,100 convicted drug dealers out of jail because of some accusations that had been made against six narcotic officers in Philadelphia. And, of course, Larry did all his work behind the scenes before these guys ever went on trial. And, of course, when the six narcotics officers went on trial in a RICO case— 
Uh, all 47 count charges against them, um, the jury uh, said not guilty 47 times, and these guys walked out of uh, the courtroom that day, and then they got all of them got their jobs back. But meanwhile, uh, Larry Krasner and Seth Williams had let 1,100 convicted drug dealers out out out, on, uh, out of jail, and uh, most of these guys had been had pleaded guilty after being caught with large amounts of drugs and in many cases, lots of money and guns. Jeez, so, the, uh, that's the kind uh, of guy Larry is. Yeah, I know. Uh, Tom had uh, referred to that uh, before about, you know, releasing, you know, hordes of uh, people um, from the jails and, uh, you know, they're in, in New York state. Now they're, they're, uh, gearing up to do exactly that you know the the uh, flip side of that is is that it would be interesting to see and uh you know we'll explore this in uh future podcasts but uh you know there's a uh, some uh cases that are uh wrought with corruption that uh you know the reverse could be that uh you know the prosecutors involved in the uh corruption every case that they uh prosecuted should be uh you know, totally examined. But, um, yeah, so I his... I see that in one case in particular that you and I both uh, know about. Yes. So his predecessor, uh, Seth... Um, Williams. 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 He's... Uh, am I correct in understanding that he's sitting in a federal prison in Morgantown, West Virginia now? That is correct. And he's doing five years corruption <laughs> after he admitted that all, I think, something like 20 charges against him were true. And they involved taking bribes, um, you know, soliciting kickbacks, and even, you ready, stealing from his own mother. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, That's the kind oh. of guy that uh, Philadelphia uh, elected as their first uh, African-American district attorney. And he went down spectacularly in flames. And people, cops told me that uh, when Larry Krasner took office, I'd, I'd want to see Seth Williams back. And I laughed at them, but it's true. Oh, my God. And here's the secret, because Seth, Seth was smart enough. Seth knew he was an idiot. So he basically stayed out of the way and let the assistants in his office run the office. Uh, Larry is, uh, is an ideologue bent on remaking society and letting everyone out of jail. Okay, this is Tom Persaud. I wanted to uh, just, just for our listeners to get an idea of... Uh, the evolution of this kind of nonsense. Uh, Larry was elected, correct? Yes, amazingly enough, yes, he was elected. After his predecessor was uh, sentenced to jail for corruption, he was the DA, This we're talking about Seth, Seth Williams, and then Larry runs for DA and gets elected by the fine people of, what is that, Montgomery County? What? No, no, Philadelphia, the city of Philadelphia. Oh, the city of Philadelphia, okay. And, and the reason he won was because he had a war chest, second to nobody. He had, you know, uh, George Soros gave him $1.7 million. Okay, thank, so, thank you, George. That was really helpful. But, um, <laughs> but still, we still had the people of Philadelphia that said, hey, this is a really great guy. He's going to do, and I'm sure he ran on his pre uh, prison reform. I think that's the catchword these days. Yes, he was going to reverse mass carcer incarceration. 
And, uh, but what he didn't go into detail about was his idea of how to reverse that was to let everyone out of jail. And, and this, was he clear about that? Because uh, my, my, my yeah, because at the, the, the night of his ra the night he won the uh, primary, his supporters were chanting "F the police." Uh, wow. Okay, my because my real question to you, gentlemen, is what's his motive? What is Larry Crenson's motive? Where is he going with this? Is is he an anarchist? Is this something that that if we just let everybody out of prison and Start from scratch. What are we, uh, Australia, two hundred years ago? What's going on here? <laughs> well, look, I, I've never sat down with Larry. He's never agreed to be interviewed by me because I've taken sort of a critical approach to covering him. So I, I don't know the man. Um, I would just say, from his actions, he strikes me as a committed left-wing ideologue who um, doesn't believe that anybody belongs in jail. Is he, is he, uh, let me ask you this. Um, yeah, obviously, uh, the three of us have our opinions about, uh, district attorneys that are, you know, uh, defense attorneys that are masquerading as dif district attorneys. But, uh, I mean, you know, does he, uh, does he command respect, uh, of the police department? They, uh, I would say he is universally despised by every not only every police officer that I know, but every uh, prosecutor that I know. So, and and then the, the uh, FOP has large billboards up in town saying, wanted a new DA, uh, please apply at the FOP. Yeah, I, I just uh, listened to, uh, well, I think all three of us just listened to a, uh, the FOP put out uh, a uh, video interview of uh, a mother that was uh, involved in a, incident uh, in Philadelphia that uh, didn't seem to go very well uh, that we might be able to address later on down the road. Um, yeah, there are a lot of moms like that that, yeah. that are watching accused murderers uh, walk. Yeah. So now, is he uh, well-respected by his colleagues? Or it, that's just not... Not nobody. I mean, I, I, I've known, I would say I know a fair amount of defense lawyers since I've been covering the courts for the last 10 years. And I've never seen anyone, you know, that, that even likes the guy, much less, uh, you know, has much respect for him. Uh, he, he was not certainly one of the top defense lawyers in town. What, what do you think, uh, what, what would you attribute the um, epidemic of uh, defense attorneys masquerading as district attorneys to anything in particular? Uh, well, you know, uh, the loudest group in America these days is the so-called uh, progressive. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's stirring the pot. I mean, this whole, you know, F the police routine and social justice routine. And, you know, uh, I think that's a lot of that's to blame for it. So they're going to open the uh, the jail and prison doors and let these uh, individuals out. Well, it's a good thing they didn't coordinate that when they when they let the mental hospitals out at the same time. We'd really have a firestorm then. Hey, anyway. Ralph, this is um, this is Anna Midlars here, I, and I have I have a question. Um, first of all, I want to say I want to tell you I admire your work. Um, going going after the truth no matter where it takes you I can really relate to that that's what I've always tried to do in my my work as well 
I'm but, sure you've gotten a lot of medals for that. Uh, well, well, that and a cup of coffee will get me. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, before you were talking about letting the drug dealers go, I, I worked in narcotics for about 16 years, and I okay. remember there was a case where there was one little thing that they were letting the drug dealers get away with, and what happened was all the defense attorneys started piling on top of each other and getting their, case, their clients' cases dismissed one after another. Now, mm -hmm. now, can that happen as well? With I mean, should won't that happen with with what he's doing with just a blanket letting people out of jail? I mean, if I was a defense attorney, I'd say, okay, what was the charge on this guy, and what can I do to, for my client to get him out or get him you know, dismissed? I, I totally agree, and we all know lawyers live for this stuff. So yeah, I mean, the possibilities yeah. are endless. I mean, that's that's exactly what happened with the 1,100 drug dealers that he let out of jail. The narcotics officers involved hadn't even been indicted yet when he was putting this stuff in motion. And and then when they were finally tried and acquitted, you know, 300 of these drug dealers turned around and filed civil rights lawsuits against the of city. Of course. Of course they will. Yeah. You know, it yeah. opens up that whole problem. Yeah. yeah. And I just wanted to cover one topic that won't surprise you or Tom or, or, or John. But... Um, we went, uh, I wanted to find out what happened to these 1,100 drug dealers. And sadly, uh, a lot of them had already been washed out of the system after their uh, convictions were overturned. And, and even... You mean, you mean they, they, sealed, they sealed the records as well? Expunged or... Yeah. Yes, they expunged their convictions uh -huh. and they handed them back the money that was taken uh, and, 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 and everything. And, and, and so... Um, we only found 400 criminal records for 400 of them, and I checked on the 400, and at least 200 of them had immediately gone out and com committed more crimes all the way up to rape and murder. Yeah, of course. So are they going to just get an appearance ticket? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they're going to get anything. These things oh, got expunged. We laugh, we laugh at that about appearance tickets, but be aware. And I hope our listeners more and more start listening in to, to our podcast just to learn things like New York State is getting rid of bail. So if you are down the road and you, I don't know if you have a body in the trunk, but you're going to get an appearance ticket. There is no more cash bail. And the first question that rose was, okay, we let all these drug dealers uh, head down the road with their appearance ticket. What makes you think they're really going to go to court? Well, we got that problem solved. We're going to hire a lot more investigators to find them and, and hold them by the hand and take them back to court. That's our answer so far. This is getting crazier by the day. Now, the uh, Monroe County just decided to let 2,400, uh, <laughs> what do you want to call them, visitors? Uh, <laughs> well, the law is going to come into effect on January 1st. So they said, we'll be overwhelmed if we let 2,400 people out at the same time. So in their wisdom, Monroe County decided, let's start letting them out now and then save ourselves a lot of headache and just let them out. So here we go. We got all these new fe uh, felons and misdemeanors all hit, hitting the bricks. I, I just read an article that uh, said that uh, it's because that uh, it hurts their feelings. To hurts be their feelings, but you know <laughs> we got to worry about these people. <laughs> it falls in our prison reform. Oh, 
But it's all about the feeling. And they're going to give everybody a trophy. Again, with the feeling. <laughs> hey, Ralph, well, I, I, Larry did. I'm sorry, Anna, just one last thing. Yeah, go ahead. I brought this up. Uh, one of Larry's first moves was to uh, announce that he would no longer seek cash bail for a list of offenses that made up literally 60% of all cases in the criminal justice system. Mm -hmm. So they immediately let 1,700 defendants out of jail. So, mm -hmm. I mean, that's Larry's specialty. So there's, there's really no incentive for these people to come back from their palatial estates in, uh, you know, Brazil to, uh, to, yeah. to report to court. <laughs> right? Yeah. No, it, 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 there isn't. And, and he's eliminated, he's decriminalized prostitution um, but, uh, drug I'm, possession, it, drug, now, drug if dealing. He, if he decriminalized that now, uh, if I can just ask, um, now do they pay taxes on their commissions? <laughs> the, <laughs> That's one for the, the IRS. The, the ladies, uh, do they? <laughs> Do they pay tax on their commissions? Thinking just like a federal agent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh. So, um, so um, Larry, how much longer um, do the poor um, occupants of Philadelphia have to uh, deal with this situation with uh, Mr. Krasner? Wow, I, I think it's a four-year term. And uh, he just, you know, he just took office. He just got elected at the end of uh, 2017, took office in 2018. So uh, we've, we've got to uh, put up with Larry for, you know. So let, let me ask you, if you got 18 guys, so he hired, if I understand this correctly, he fired all the uh, all the ADAs in the office. And then he hired 30 of them. Yeah, 30 of them. Then he hired 60 or something like that. 60, yeah. A okay. lot of people left when they heard Larry was coming. A lot of people didn't want to work with him because they- Okay, and then, and then 18 of them, if, if I understand it correctly, from your, your article, um, that 18 of them have flunked the bar exam. Yeah, 18 of the 60 uh, flunked the bar exam. So does, the best he, does he have a workaround for them? Like, does he drag them into his office and deputize them so they don't have to- you know, past the bar exam. <laughs> uh, you know, that's a good question. I because I talked to the former district attorney in this town for years, Lynn Abraham, oh. and uh, she said, you know, if you didn't pass the bar exam, your employment was contingent on passing that bar exam. So you were out of a job. You know, when you got when you flunked, you also uh, got fired, or you quit. But uh, that was the agreement. But Larry, because he believes in second chances for lots of criminals and apparently young ADAs who flunked the bar exam, he's going to keep them around till next June, give them another ch chance to, to pass the bar exam. But I, I, legally, I, you know, from what I understand, they can't do anything. They can't go to court. They can't write a brief or anything like that. So I don't yeah. know what he's going to have them do. Uh, Lynn suggested that they were going to just sit around every day and debate who to let out of jail next. Yeah, or maybe they could be the Uber drivers for the guys that are leaving jail. There you go. Yeah, we, we had one in Buffalo that actually had to shred paper because he wasn't qualified for the bar. So had, <laughs> oh, that's an idea. That's a true story. They had him shredding shredding paper so they could keep him keep him around. <laughs> Maybe they could. Anna, Anna, you had a question. I'm sorry, and I paved over. It. Oh yeah, um, it was about the. I was reading up on him a little bit, and they have a pre special prosecutor that used to be a defense attorney. Were you aware of that? Which guy? Um, Krasner. 
Yeah, I mean, who, who's the guy? I don't, I don't, I, I don't know. Yeah, I just read. It just said that 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 he appointed a special prosecutor that used to be a defense attorney, probably one of his buddies. But oh, uh, sure. I was just wondering if you had any any information on that. That's. Is this the guy who's reviewing? Um, he's trying to figure out who's falsely convicted. Possibly. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. was one of the yeah. deals he's got going. Yeah. 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 No, you know, like I said, we're uh, we're on a we're embarking on a grand social experiment here, and where it ends up, yeah. nobody knows. But the, the idea that you've got neighborhoods in this town where, you know, if you've got drug dealers hanging around and prostitutes. Don't bother calling the cops because there's nothing they can do about it because yeah. Larry won't put anybody in jail. This has to demoralize the police uh, very much. I can't, you know. Uh, I've sure. heard that. Yeah. I've heard yeah. I've heard the mentality these days is don't arrest anybody. Keep your head low because if you get in a jam, Larry will hang you out to dry. Yeah, that's going that's going around in other areas as well. Yeah. Yeah. So Ralph, do you think uh at some point, uh, Mr. Krasner might be uh, visited by the uh, the ODC, you know, the Office of Disciplinary um, Counsel. Yeah, uh, I would certainly hope so. I do know that a complaint has already been made about District Attorney Krasner. Um, the night six police officers were shot by a lunatic named Maurice Hill, who was wielding an AR-15 assault rifle, Krasner gets on the phone with this guy and uh, he starts uh, negotiating a deal. The guy trying to get this guy to come out. What well, was that? Was that was, was that as a was that as a district attorney or defense attorney? Uh, well, uh, <laughs> a lot of people have wondered. Acting about like that. One. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, now Larry has never figured out that he he's supposed to be the district attorney. Uh, uh, but anyhow, so um, while the bullets are flying. Um, you know, I mean, we got a live shooter here with an assault rifle who's already wounded and sent six cops to the hospital. And Larry shows up on the scene and is mugging for the TV cameras. And all of a sudden, he's on the phone with the uh, with the uh, shooter, and uh, he's cu he's cutting a deal with him. And the guy says, um, "You know, Larry, what kind of sentence do I get if I surrender?" And uh, he, Larry says, "He said." Uh, Larry suggested 25, and the guy says, oh, no, no, I don't want to do that. And Larry says, okay, how about 20? <laughs> Larry tells uh, all of us when he comes out, you know, oh, it was just a phony baloney deal. You know, I was just saying anything to get him to come out of there. You can't do that. Uh, you can't do that. The, and uh, there's a guy named Richie Sachs, who's a former homicide prosecutor in, in Philadelphia, who actually knows what it's like to be a prosecutor. And he filed a... A complaint with the um, um, the disciplinary board saying that uh, you know the rules of uh, the American Bar Association's model rules of professional responsibility rule eight four states quote it is professional misconduct for a lawyer to engage in conduct involving dishonesty fraud deceit or misrepresentation so Krasner was violating the lawyer's oath uh, when he was lying to this uh, suspect, well, he's more than a suspect, the shooter, you know, getting them to come out. So hopefully the disciplinary board will do something with that. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, we can we can all hope that'll happen. Hey, so yeah. um, this this uh, brings to, uh, you know, uh, my mind, you know, if you've got somebody that is that of that persuasion, uh, again, as a uh, defense attorney masquerading as a district attorney, um, 
I wonder what the, uh, you know, every every law enforcement and prosecutorial entity on the planet, as far as I know, um, has a victim witness coordinator. I mean, how uh, her phone must be, or his phone must be exploding um, by victim and victims and witnesses calling, uh, wondering what's going on with their case. <laughs> I mean, that's appalling. Yeah, it is. It, it absolutely is. If you're going to run your uh, uh, prosecutorial entity like that, you know, you're going to have to, you're going to have to, you're going to have to, you're going to have to have a, uh, a 300 line victim witness coordinator that ends up in India because they won't have enough time to, to uh, respond to that. And that's insane. Okay. Okay. So, um, in regard to the uh, Office of Disciplinary Counsel, possibly uh, entertaining something in regard to uh, Mr. Krasner's uh, activities, um, that brings another thing up. Um, are you familiar with other uh, uh, attorneys in Pennsylvania that have been uh, the recent uh, subjects of uh, the Office of Disciplinary uh, Counsel? I certainly can think of two high-profile. Um, cases of, uh, before the uh, disciplinary council, both involving the same sad, tangled case, the sex abuse case uh, involving Jerry Sandusky and Penn State, starring and starring before the uh, office disciplinary council, former uh, prosecutor Frank Fina. Whoa. And Cynthia Baldwin, former uh, uh, counsel for the Penn State University and also a former State Supreme Court Justice, if I'm not mistaken, right, Mr. Uh, Snedden? Yeah, that's uh, that's true. I did have occasion to uh, speak with uh, Supreme Court Justice uh, Cynthia Baldwin for an extended period of time. You should tell uh, everybody about that. <laughs> yes, yeah, we'll have to get into that. I we'll think we should do another time. podcast about that. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant um, idea, Anna. Anna. Yes. So, in in regard to that case, that. Uh, we alluded to there. Uh, there's some type of resentencing on Friday, is there not? There is. Jerry Sandusky is up for resentencing. And that's a, what, what do they have, oral arguments or something on Friday? Yes. Yes, oral arguments on Friday. And um, and then there'll be some sort of decision. But concurrent with that is there's also a federal appeal going on, which I think you know about. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I haven't really mentioned this before, but... Um, I did want to uh, give an idea of when that when that uh, case uh, hit the news, a bunch of my colleagues from around the planet, literally, um, had been uh, Googling, and they saw my, my name involved in that in some fashion, and would call me and say, hey, you know that entire case smells. Um, you know, and they can smell it from Italy, and they can smell it from Hong Kong, and they can smell it from Alaska. So um, there's big problems with that case. Um, I wonder if when they do these oral arguments, do you know if they're going to um, address any of the uh, potentially uh, potential uh, civil rights violations or? Uh, uh, constitutional rights violations involved in that case? 
I know that Al Lindsay, who is Jerry Sandusky's lawyer, would love to get into that stuff. But I, I know those arguments are usually limited to something like 15 minutes or something like that. So I don't know what he's going to be able to do. But, uh, John, you and I both know that Jerry Sandusky doesn't have a prayer for a, a retrial until he gets himself out of Pennsylvania, out of the Pennsylvania court system, like, like exactly what happened with Graham Spanier. Yeah, it is interesting that... Uh... You know, you have a entire um, judicial system that <laughs> that allows a uh, blatant um, miscarriage of justice to go on until it gets to the federal level, where they they say, uh, "Oh, you can't possibly do that." Um, the so, trick is finding a judge that knows the U.S. Constitution, and apparently, that involves leaving Pennsylvania. Yeah, I guess so. It's very bad. odd. Um, it's a very, uh, uh, that's a very interesting and very controversial case that um, I don't think very many people know the nuts and bolts of that uh, we would like to uh, explore in uh, detail in future podcasts. And, Especially uh, since you have intimate knowledge of it as, um, you know, the, conducting the only uh the only real investigation that was ever done. <laughs> yeah, um, I I'll agree with that. Um, so hey, listen. Um, one other thing I, I wanted to ask, uh, and we will address that uh, very controversial case in future podcasts in depth. Um, but uh, it, the whole thing is appalling. Um, but I did want to ask one thing, you know, uh, uh, back to the, the uh, Mr. Krasner, again, the uh, defense attorney masquerading as a uh, district attorney. Does, how is his relationship with the U.S. attorney in the Eastern District of Pennsylvania? Not very good. Oh, I would say the, uh, yeah, the U.S. attorney is known for calling uh, vocal press conferences where he spends most of his time denouncing Mr. Krasner as a disgrace to law enforcement. Oh, wait, that, uh, you know, that rings a bell. Yeah. Um, because uh, I think I mentioned uh, in regard to Free that he was an embarrassment to law enforcement. Maybe they, uh, maybe they should get a, uh, you know, row home in North Philly and live together. How about Krasner and Free? <laughs> no, you never catch a liberal in North Philadelphia. Larry Krasner lives uh, in Center City where uh, all the full effects of uh, the policies that he's unleashed on the rest of the citizens, he will never have to deal with them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's got his own little, you know. Yeah, that's why he lives in Center City. On Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And when they put the first safe injection site that he's also champion in Philadelphia, it won't be going in Larry's neighborhood. Oh, my God. Unbelievable. That's another cannibal. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you can't you can't say unbelievable anymore because it's all hideously believable. Yep. exactly. (laughs) Well, uh, Ralph, we really appreciate you taking the time to speak to us about uh, Again, Mr. Krasner, who is a uh, defense attorney masquerading as a uh, district attorney. Um, Well, that's what the DA stands for, I guess, right? uh, Well, hopefully uh, it's too late for him to figure it out, but I hope uh, the uh, fine citizens of uh, Philadelphia County can figure it out. 
Um, they do need to wise up pretty soon. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Before George Soros's next check clears. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know, oh, my God. Yeah. Horrible. Okay. Well, hey, listen, uh, Ralph, again, we really appreciate uh, having the opportunity to speak to somebody that's uh, a very rare breed of uh, investigative reporter, investigative journalist. Um, and unfortunately, uh, the preponderance of the rest of them that may in fact be masquerading as investigative reporters are falling asleep, allowing this stuff to happen. So um, um, we greatly appreciate uh, your efforts and uh, look forward to uh, reading your articles and uh, which have been just been blown away by the, the Krasner articles and uh, this last one about his uh, underlings not making the bar exam is just oh, insane. Oh, that reminds me, Ralph, um, I just downloaded your big trial on my Twitter and my, mm -hmm. my computer starts smoking. So I appreciate that because it's a, a lot of information. <laughs> I just did that yesterday. But thank, thank, thank you. Thank you, Anna. Yeah, Thanks, you're Tom. John. Thank you. Really great talking to you, Ralph. Thanks, Ralph. We'll, we'll get a hold of you in regard to the uh, other cases if we might. If okay. We yeah. Okay. No problem. Yep. And I'll be putting something up on Big Trial this week to promote this. Awesome. We'll awesome. Be, we'll be getting it. <laughs> Great. Thank, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. It, it's a, uh, it really is a pleasure to uh, be able to speak to somebody that is, uh, um, I mean, from a, from a law enforcement perspective, clearly a, uh, you know, independent uh, investigative reporter that, uh, checks everything and doesn't take uh, anybody's word for stuff and uh, just doesn't come out with a bunch of, of uh, headlines that uh, people don't don't read anything. So um, anyway, um, that concludes our uh, um, podcast for, for today. Um, again, the uh, I just want to thank you, John, for giving us a great teaser with Sandusky, you know, I mean, for a future podcast, what a subject. What a and I story. tested the water by asking a few people recently, what would you think if I told you that maybe Sandusky got a raw deal? And basically, I got, oh, shut up, you know, <laughs> knock it off. Yeah. You, what are you talking about? Which is fantastic. I think our listeners need to know. There's stuff we don't, believe don't everything know. everything you hear. And we don't yeah. know what we don't or know. We, so and, let's, let's find out. You know, in that case, you know, um, there's so much, uh, so much information to, to go over that is appalling um, to anybody, um, from a just from a legal perspective, that. Uh, you know, people that spend their time just reading headlines and not getting into depth on what the case was, or read the articles, or uh, again, just just a glance at the headline, they assume certain things, which uh, in some cases are the intent of the uh, of the writer. But uh, anyway, it's a uh, it's a very controversial case that has some very interesting uh, and I may say appalling. Uh, circumstances surrounding it. It's interestingly, you know, uh, you have to keep in mind when you look at this, the two um, attorneys involved, particularly the prosecutor, both are before the uh, Office of Disciplinary Counsel 
for things they did during the course of that trial. So we'll examine those and, and other aspects of that case in future podcasts. Look forward to it. Um, anyway, um, uh, it's been a pleasure to uh, uh, spend time with you guys again, and we'll be coming um, to you again next week, um, presumably from the Finger Lakes region again. <laughs> um, but anyway, if you're a uh, law enforcement officer and you've had a case that the media has either ignored or maybe hosed up, um, and you did an awesome job on it, um, we would you know, appreciate the opportunity to uh, promote that case for you from a, a law enforcement uh, perspective, um, because uh, I know it's, it's happened to every one of us that we've had an awesome case, and uh, either it's been uh, completely ignored by the media, or uh, you know, if they've twisted it around in some fashion that's... Uh, you know, irrecognizable by the time they're done with it. So anyway, if you uh, if you do have a case like that, and uh, uh, again, we'd like to uh, promote that that case. Um, if you can reach us, uh, you can reach us at uh, um, search warrant zero two at gmail dot com. Um, uh, the search warrant podcast is available on Apple Podcasts and everywhere else you might get your podcast. Oh, Anna, thank you very much for uh, your time. And Tom, thank you, appreciate John. your time. Okay, um, thank you very much.